Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the precious promise that you have given us that our Lord Jesus will return for his own. And we thank you, Lord, that we belong to you and we can look expectantly for that trumpet to sound and for you to appear in the sky for your church. Until that time comes, Lord, may we be found faithful and faithful to your word. Bless it now as we open it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will take your Bibles, please turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. As we continue our series in this tremendous letter to the church at Colossae. As you recall last week in our study... We learned about the great mystery, Paul talked about it, the great mystery of God, which was finally revealed after all the ages and all the centuries, it was finally revealed to us. And what was that great mystery? It was Christ in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you and I have the amazing privilege of having the Lord Jesus himself, the risen Christ, indwelling each one of us in our hearts, in our bodies. He will dwell there until he comes. And that is the mystery that people haven't understood that was coming, but the Lord Jesus sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts, and we have his presence with us. And so now the Apostle Paul continues his focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's, he's going to be speaking now to the church and churches about problems that he had heard about that were breaking his heart. You ever have something that uh, you, you hear about, a loved one or someone in the church or uh, a situation uh, where it's brothers and sisters in Christ, and maybe they're not getting along, or you know, there's division, and there's not any love, there's not harmony, and it's fallen upon many churches over the years, and that that harmony, once that division sets in, it's so hard to repair, and that's what, exactly what Satan wants to do. So the Apostle Paul here in chapter two. We're just looking at four verses this morning. But he begins to share with them what's on his heart. Look with me at verse 1. Paul writes, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are at Laodicea. And for all those who have not personally seen my face. You see, he's telling them that he's dealing with a great struggle. If you have a King James Version, it translates it conflict. But this was an inner conflict. And the Greek word for this English word that we use for struggle or conflict is the Greek word agona. Agona. Does that sound familiar? Sound like an English word? Yes. Agony. Agony. It's a strong word. It's, a, it's an intense word of 
emotional feelings that someone is is trying to deal with. And maybe you're there today. You've come with those kind of emotions. You come with a burden, a burden for somebody else who is in desperate need of restoration, of coming back to the Lord, or even being saved, coming to Christ. But here, Paul shares with them that he's agonizing over them. And you see, Paul understands that this, what's going on, is a spiritual battle. Now, notice he says in verse 1, he's struggling on their behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. Now, they, Laodicea was a few miles apart. They were a few miles apart, these two towns. Uh, but we must remember that these two churches, there's a church in each one, Laodicea and uh, Colossae, the Apostle Paul had never seen them. In fact, he did not found the church in these little towns. Someone else did. So they knew about Paul. They heard about his preaching and his teaching came to, through others to the towns and many were saved and a church was planted. But Paul was keeping track of the flock. It's like the Apostle Paul was one big pastor, one big shepherd overseeing all these little towns and churches all across Asia Minor. And here he's looking at them and he's getting reports. Now he's gotten good reports, but he's remember, he's writing this letter to the church at Colossae because they were dealing with false teaching that was seeping into the church. False teachers were coming in and all of a sudden they're saying, yeah, that's that's great about Jesus. Yes, yeah, you know, we trust in Jesus. He's our Savior. But you know what? There's something more. There's something more that you're missing. And, and you can find it if you look for it. And they began talking about some mystical, super, uh, a higher plane of spiritual, spirituality that they, they could reach, arrive at. And it all had to do, because it was the Greek culture as well as the Jewish culture that was combining and setting in with these false teachers, and suddenly uh, they are concerned about knowledge. Knowledge. You can see it even here in, in our country that uh, knowledge is the big thing. You know, the question is, how many degrees do you have on your wall? And the more, the more universities you go to, the more degrees you get, the world looks at you. Whoa, now that is one smart person. Highly intelligent, straight A's, has a doctorate and everything else, whatever you else you want to give him. And so the world looks on him. And even Christians, we look up to those who have achieved those levels and we think that, well, anything they say has got to be true. Anything they say, I'm going to go along with. It's because of their knowledge that they have arrived at. And that is what was happening here in the churches. And so Paul is not only writing to the church of Colossae, but to Laodicea and other churches, because this same uh, uh, false teaching was, was uh, creeping into the other churches as well. 
but it is believed it really started here in Colossae. And so now he's going to unburden his heart. He's going to tell them what is the thing that he's struggling with in his heart concerning them. And we find it here in verse 2. Look at verse 2. Paul writes that their hearts, and again, he's talking about those in Laodicea as well as those in Colossae he's writing to, but he's using the, the word there. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. There he uses the word mystery again. God's mystery, that is Christ himself. Now, the King James Version adds in there, God the Father. But here we have the mystery is Christ himself. Christ himself. So, let's break this down. The Apostle Paul is hearing what this teaching has been doing. First of all, it's been discouraging the saints. It's been discouraging those who are being faithful to God's word and suddenly they see their brother or sister suddenly following some guy who comes up with this this, uh, new way of thinking, this new idea to reach a higher plane of spirituality. And have you ever had a friend that you know that, that that has happened to where they come to you and they tell you, you gotta read this book. Or you, 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 you gotta, you gotta listen to this preacher on TV, and they begin to tell you how they have just gotten wrapped up in everything this person has said or written, and they they believe every single word of it. And then you, once you hear it all, you realize you're, the Holy Spirit's telling you there's something wrong here. There's a mix of truth and 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 lies. And something's not right, not lining up with the word of God. And the Lord shows you how difficult it is. Because what can that do? It can cause division. They're trying to pull you over to, you You need this in your life. And all the while you're saying, but I believe I have everything I need in life in Christ. And so this is what was happening. So some of the hearts of the believers were getting discouraged. Maybe your heart is just discouraged this morning, dear saint. You came in and whatever, for, for whatever reason, uh, you, you, you can't find the joy. You're, you're struggling with a relationship, with something, someone that there's a conflict, whatever it may be, and you come discouraged. You see, the Apostle Paul was concerned about their heart, how they were feeling, as mine is for you here at Jonestown Bible Church, this beautiful church family, my heart aches for all of you as you share with me some of the burdens that you carry, some of the things you've had to go through, and uh, whatever they may be, and you carry that heavy heart. What Paul was praying for, and these are prayer requests from the Apostle Paul. He was praying, first of all, that their hearts would be encouraged 
that their hearts would be encouraged. If you have a King James Version, it's the word encouraged is translated comforted. You see that? Comforted. So he's praying that their hearts would be comforted, encouraged in their faith, first of all. Secondly, having been knit together in love. Having been knit together in love. That Greek word for knit actually has the literally, literal idea of someone's uh, knitting something. You know, sewing something, uh, a quilt, a blanket, a piece of clothing. And, and t- uh, you know, many of you who do quilts and, and many of you ladies who sew and, and create things with a needle... Uh, you know how, how long it takes to make that, but how tightly everything has to be. All those threads have to be tight. Can you imagine if you, you made a quilt, but you never really tightened everything? What it would look like? Sadly, that's what Paul saw happening in these churches. And it's happening in all, uh, all across America. That churches... Are, are turning out to be much like a quilt that is, is, you know, falling apart because the unity is gone. Because suddenly there's division that has come in. Some of the division may be because of false teaching. Other times division in a church can come because I want my way, right? I want, this is the way I think it should be done. This is the color carpet I think we should have. This is the color of, you know, window shades and things that we should have. And, and, and or whatever it may be, a personal preference. But we allow that to create bitterness. And bitterness creates division, dissension. And it's heartbreaking then. But how wonderful it is when you begin to see a church... Of the family of God that is being knit together by what? By love. By the love of Christ. One for another. And when we are loving one another and I can overlook your differences with me. Maybe you have a different preference than me. You have a different conviction than I do about something. But it doesn't Neither one is contrary to the word of God. I must love you as a brother or sister. And we must continue to love each other and accept one another and make sure that Satan doesn't get in, get his foot in and try and cause division. But that's exactly what was happening here in these churches. And yet uh, the Apostle Paul is trying to tell them, my prayer is that you would continue to be knit together in love. And then look at the rest of verse 2. And attaining, the third prayer request, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. In whom, let's do verse 3 too, in whom are hidden, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What is Paul getting at now? Well, now the Apostle Paul, 
is focusing in upon the one thing that is going to keep them solid in their faith. It's going to keep them from discouragement. And it's going to keep them knitted in love. And what is it? We should say, who is it? It's Jesus Christ himself. And notice he says there, I'm praying that you would come to the attaining to all the wealth. See that word wealth? All the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is knowing Christ, Christ himself. You know, I've, I've always been one that loved the adventurous movies like uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, that, that was the first movie I ever bought on VHS. <laughs> yeah. How many remember VHS, kids? Yeah. They're, you can still get them at the thrift shops. But these, the, the films like that. And then they came out with National Treasure and the films like that. And, and so I was just enthralled with, with that kind of, you know, the treasure seeking uh, and, and the hunt for the treasure. And it gets so exciting. But, you know, that's a picture, though, of the world. The world is looking, everyone who doesn't know Christ is looking for wealth, looking for treasures, some kind of treasure to fulfill a deep hole in their heart, a desire. They think if they get more, some of you have heard this before, but someone asked uh, Norman Rockefeller, uh, uh, Rockefeller what, uh, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And he said, just a little bit more. And that's the case. And they're looking, they're treasure, everybody's treasure seeking. But the question is, what is the treasure we are after? What truly is the treasure that is at the center of my heart that I'm trying to, to achieve and receive? Paul is talking about a wealth, all the wealth, which is a spiritual wealth, which which entails a full assurance of understanding. Understanding what? Understanding who Christ is, understanding my salvation, understanding my position in Christ as a believer, as a child of God, what he's made me into, that, my, that, that in him are these treasures. And as I seek Christ, suddenly I find that that I'm getting richer and richer as I look deeper into the, the Son of God. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus here. And he speaks first of some of the spiritual gifts that God gave to certain individuals for church ministry to serve among the brethren, among each other. Verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. These are all spiritual gifts that God has given many saints and every one of you, by the way, has a spiritual gift. If you don't know what it is, ask God to reveal it to you. Verse 12. So what are these gifts, these people who have these gifts doing, trying to do, seeking to do? God gave these gifts 
for the equipping, verse 12, of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until, verse 13, until we all attain to what? The unity of the faith. There's that word attain that Paul used back in Colossians. Until we all attain, reach a certain point where we have unity of the faith. He's bringing up unity again. But where does that unity begin? He goes on. And that we would obtain the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, to the measure of a stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It's right in there that he says the key to being equipped for service, to being built up as a body of, uh, of believers and being knit together in love. And supporting one another, carrying one another's burdens. What's the key? What is the secret? It's in the secret wealth that is found in the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. And I have to ask myself, Lord Jesus, how much do I know about you? And I find I have fallen so short. We're talking about an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ and getting to know him more and more, to know his heart, to know his, learn to know his mind so that we have the mind of Christ. And then, therefore, I act and live with the power of Christ living in me. People look at me and they actually see Jesus. And, and they will know that I am seeking more and more the knowledge of the Son of God. And Paul is making that perfectly clear here. And what does that do then? It causes me to continue to mature in my faith. To become a mature believer. So that the, when the winds come and blows and, and, and false doctrine, you know, the, the false teaching blows in. Suddenly I'm standing firm. I have a full assurance of who I am, full assurance of what God said and who Jesus Christ is. Turn to Hebrews quickly, chapter 1 with me. Let's go over to Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us. How has he spoken to us? He says, in his son, in whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Speaking of Jesus. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. God the Father's glory. And I love this. And the exact representation of his nature. Here's a great verse for the deity of Christ. That Jesus is, is God. That he has the exact nature. He has the exact representation on earth 
of God the Father in heaven. He has his exact nature, same nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When, and it all resulted from this, when he had made purification of sins there at the cross, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here again, the writer is saying, how have we been spoken to by God? It's through his son, through his son, through his son. And while Jesus was on earth, he sent out his disciples. And Jesus spoke and preached. And the disciples began to write down the word of God, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have the word of God, the New Testament. But the, the word of Christ continues has continued to grow, and it's all here. And all the knowledge of Jesus Christ is found in this book right here. Nowhere else. That here is my treasure, your treasure. All the wealth I would ever need has been already given to me. I just need to look for it, and God will reveal it to me through his Son. And the more I get to know Jesus Christ, and know his character, know his attributes, and allow him to live his life through me, the richer I will become. The richer I become. Turn back now, if you would, quickly to Colossians 2. Go back to Colossians 2 here. And then verse 3. Again, look what Paul said in verse 3 concerning Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where's the hidden treasure? It's in Christ himself. And that's where the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are. That all we need for life and godliness are in Christ. And therefore, in God's word. And then he adds verse 4. I say this. In order that no one may delude you with persuasive arguments. That no one may delude you with persuasive arguments. And there again, that's that false teaching. And boy, can, can the people of today make a good spin of things. And they'll take some truth. Satan's good at this. He'll take the truth, but he's going to sprinkle in some lies to make it into a cult. To try and entice the believer away from the truth, from the pure word of God. And so he, he is at work trying to do that. And because he is the great deceiver. And I have constantly got to be aware of Satan's schemes to try and get me off track. To get me off believing that this book is absolute. That this book is absolute truth. And if I go and Satan wants me to go, wait a minute, wait, there's some other things out here that that you might like, that there's more mysteries that you haven't found yet. And we all love mysteries. We all love to look into, whoa, what's new? You know, looking for, hey, I just heard about a new secret. They're trying to find this. They're trying to find that. That word here in verse three, hidden. That word hidden is the Greek word. Apocryphos, apocryphos, apocrypha. Does that sound familiar? The word apocrypha. You know, the Roman Catholic Church have in their Bible the apocrypha. 
So that's something that's been added. They say that it is part of Scripture. It's, it's just as, as uh, divinely inspired as the rest of Scripture. And that's the scary part. Because the word apocrypha here is where it literally means hidden. It was used in the Greek. It was used by the false leaders who were seeping into the churches to refer to the writings containing their secret knowledge. So suddenly they'd bring a book or a scroll and say, yeah, but you got to read this. You've heard and, and, and seen all over the years. Suddenly they found um, the book of Judas. Have you ever heard of that? The book of Judas. Yeah, they're, they're saying, we found a book, an old scroll. And sure enough, it was an old scroll. But, but they think it was written by Judas and must have been inspired. And so they take that as gospel and they find something and they add to scripture. The moment people say we start adding to Scripture, we are going to find ourselves on, on a deep slope down that we're going to crash. There's going to be a crash landing. And then I am not going to have my feet firmly on the solid rock. And I will, but, but if I am seeking Christ, he is my treasure. And I know he lives inside of me. I gain my knowledge of him by studying God's word. And immersing myself in it, hiding God's word in my heart, I will then be prepared for anything that comes in my way, and I will be strong, and I will not fall for Satan's tricks when his people come with persuasive arguments to try and get me off track. The great hidden riches of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul wrote this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, speaking of our bodies. We have this treasure in our earthen bodies, earthen vessels. What treasure is that? It's Jesus, the living Christ in us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels for what reason? So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God in our lives and not of ourselves. So that when I realize that Christ lives in me and I am surrendered to him, I've surrendered my will to him and I've allowed Jesus to be king of my life. Lord, I want to make all, the, all my decisions. I want to make in accordance with your will. You lead me. You guide me. And I trust him to do that. And as I begin to know Christ more and more, he will lead me and keep me from going astray. Oh, my dear friend, your greatest riches are in Christ this morning. If you're a believer, if you're not a Christian, you need to accept Christ so that you may know these riches and know the riches that are waiting for you in heaven. If you but trust Christ. That God has given you. He's given us many riches with some of that wisdom. We don't have time to turn to it, but think of Solomon. King Solomon, what did Solomon, when God came to Solomon and said, Solomon was walking in the ways of the Lord. He loved the Lord. And so God came to Solomon and he said, Solomon, what would you like? Anything you want, you tell me. 
I'll give it to you. How would you like that, kids? How would you like that if, if your mom and dad came to you and says, hey, you can have anything you want, one thing. What would, you, what would it be? You just pick it. Whoa. Question is, as an adult, what would you pick if God said that to you? And, you know, Solomon could have picked anything. You know, he was offered all the riches, all the fame. But you remember what he said? What he asked for? He said, give me a discerning heart, Lord. Give me wisdom. Because he's now king of Israel and he was never a king before. He didn't know how to look over these people and take care of, of the children of God, the Israelites. And now he's king. And he looked at himself and says, I don't think I can do this. And so he humbled himself before the Lord and said, Lord, I need your discernment. I need wisdom to be able to, to do this because I'm like a child. That's what he said. I'm just like a child. And when we get to that point where we say before God, Lord, I feel like a child. I feel like I, I can't do this. That is when God will take us and use us and strengthen us. And he will, we ask him for wisdom. Ask him for that discerning heart. He will give it to us so that we can discern good from evil, make right decisions from the wrong decisions in our life. And you watch what God will do if that is our desire. You see, Solomon was seeking after Christ. Though he didn't know him, he knew God, but had not yet known Christ. He knew that God was the one that had all the wisdom and all the knowledge. And it's been revealed to us through Christ. I just want to end this today. Um, I need a volunteer. Now, let me see here. One of these guys. Uh, one of these boys right here. I see these two grandchildren. Are they grandchildren? Uh, which one would come up and help me? No, the heads are going like this and they're starting to shrink. No, no. Okay, we'll find somebody else. Unless you want to come. Oh, yeah. Give him a hand. Thank you, buddy. Come on up. Okay. Oh, yeah. Come on over here. Hey, stand right here. Now, you're a grandson of the maze, aren't you? Okay. Can I have this on? Thank you. Can you tell everybody your name? Weston. This is Weston. And Weston is going to be our treasure hunter this morning. All right? You like to hunt for treasure, you think? Yeah? Oh, you never know what you'll find. Well, Weston, here, here's what I want you to do. First, I'm going to tell you something. There is a treasure hidden on this platform somewhere, on this stage. There's a treasure, and I want you, I'll give you one minute to find it. So, Weston, you got one minute to look around and see if you can find that treasure, okay? And I'm gonna, when I say, ready, set, go, then you, you can start looking, okay? So look everywhere around here and see if you can find the treasure, all right? He's on the clock. Okay, are you ready, set, go? Okay, I'm timing you. Look, go quickly. Run around and look quick. boy. I don't have a watch. Um, yeah, you're doing great. Keep going. Is it, maybe it's not over there. 
How about over these, these sides, over there? Take a look. Run all the way over. Look everywhere. Everywhere. Do you see any treasure? How about over there, under there? 30 seconds. Oh, no, wait. Wait a minute. Did you look behind these, these things over here? The speaker? What's behind the speaker? Anything? No. Do you know you can't find the treasure, but it's here. But it's hidden. Do you want me to tell you where it is, buddy? Are you ready to find your treasure? Would you go over to that chair and pick up that book and bring it to me? Bring that over to me and let's stand back here again. Okay. Look at this book. Looks like a Bible, doesn't it? Okay. Let's open this and see what we can find in here. Okay, would you open the first page? Whoa. Wait a minute. Can you take each one of these out one by one? What's that first one? Yeah, take them out. Take them all out. Oh, okay. Now, turn and show each picture. First, what's the first picture we found in the Bible? Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, for your sins, Weston. Jesus died for you. He was put in a grave. He was buried. And show everybody that picture. They wrapped his body, laid it in a tomb, and everybody thought Jesus was dead. That's the end of him. But the third day, something happened. What happened? Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. And in him is all the power, the wisdom, and knowledge for us. And all the treasures of heaven. And one day, he's promised us something. Weston, what is the last one? A picture of heaven. A picture of heaven that we have been promised. This is the other treasure Jesus has promised in God's word. What did we learn here, Weston? We learned that it wasn't, we were thinking of a different kind of treasure, weren't we? But we weren't thinking about the treasure that we find in the Bible, which is God's word, which leads us to eternal life. The greatest gift is eternal life that comes from Jesus. Didn't he do great? Give him a hand. Thank you so much, Weston. And Weston, since you were such a good help, here's an earthly treasure, a dollar. Okay, buddy, that's yours. All right, you did so great. Did fantastic. My dear friends, God is trying to teach me. The greatest treasure is him. The greatest treasure is Christ. And I've got to, I've got to live that way every day. And I've got to put him center first in my life. And everything else will fall into place. Because I will be standing firm in him. And he will give me the wisdom of the scriptures. He'll give me the strength to go on to battle any trial and and situation I may face. Because he's going to hold me up by his grace. Because he's promised one of the greatest treasures Jesus will give you and has given you is his grace. His grace is sufficient to carry you through. 
whatever you're facing today. Trust him, dear Christian. And would you today say, Lord Jesus, I want to make you the greatest treasure of my life. Let's pray together. As we bow before the Lord. Dear Christian, if the Lord is speaking to your heart right now. And as you look at your life, you look at your own heart. You realize that you've been seeking after other treasures. And they haven't brought you happiness. They haven't brought you joy. They haven't brought you peace. The Lord Jesus is waiting to give you all that. If you would but seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Would you seek Christ? Make a commitment to put Christ at the center. And seek him with all your heart, dear Christian. And see what he will do. Watch what will happen in your life. If you're without Christ today, I invite you to accept the Savior, to open your heart to him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you on that cross, shed his blood for your sins, took your punishment for the sins you deserve to pay. And now, if you would but trust in him, he will wash away your sins. He will give you his righteousness and you don't need to fear death because you'll be going to heaven, not hell. We invite you to accept Christ right where you sit right now. If you're ready to do that, would you pray this prayer with me? Or a prayer like this. It's just a confession from your heart, confession of faith to the Lord that you're trusting in him. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of the King. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the greatest treasure you've given for revealing yourself through your precious son. And may he be first in our life and may he be the treasure that we seek. Take our commitments, Lord, and may we stand firm upon them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we